When you watch the evening news these days, our country is looking more and more like one great big dysfunctional family. Like so many family arguments that descend into pointless and relationship-destroying quarrels, well, it seems that nothing is really looking good for the objective best with respect to the objective truth anymore. Winning the argument seems preeminent. And this is no better exemplified than in today's Washington politics and in today's news media. Unfortunately, our political climate has bled over into what was once the model of our nation's form of government, the nuclear family. The family, like our government today, has also become broken and divided, partisan and polarized. And this is among groups of people who actually have much more in common than they have differences. But having things in common doesn't always quell heated rhetoric. Quite the opposite, in fact, which leads to our foolishly majoring in the incidental minors. Keeping our families intact in our broken America. That's today on License to Parent. Well, hello and welcome to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. As you may know, if this is not your first time with us, our host on the program is Trace Embry, the founder and director of Shepherds Hill. I'm Rich Rosel, and uh, Trace, boy, I tell you, now it seems that we're living in a day when even Christian families are falling prey to the same issues and the perversions that any hardened unbeliever has had to deal with down through history, mm -hmm. or so it seems. Is that just me, or <laughs> would you agree with that? Uh, no. Uh, all the statistics seem to bear it out. Uh, when you look at Barna's statistics, it's pretty pretty sobering, depressing, really. Raising kids in America today can be hazardous to their health, to your health. Uh, we've created a culture that's now ripe for producing mental illness, Rich. American culture is now systemic with emotional and spiritual toxins for which we've now grown way too accustomed. And sadly, yet our kids are now accustomed to it. But now, you know, we're, we're medicating them uh, to, to better deal with it. What a farce that is. All right, rather than dealing with the problem. Exactly. Here, yeah, sure. let's, let's, cover, let's mask it with medication. And by the way, uh, there's a big difference between being accustomed to all this nonsense and actually being comfortable with it. A battered woman's often accustomed to being in an abusive relationship, which is why she often escapes one abusive relationship only to find herself in another one. Sometimes she finds herself in multiple abusive relationships. Uh, she's definitely not comfortable with it, but she's accustomed to it. She copes. So she's accustomed to being uncomfortable, basically. Uh, too many of today's kids are in the same boat. Only the battering is coming from the abuse that's now, again, systemic to today's American yeah. culture. Uh, so I, I really think that we're abusing our kids in a, in a way that we, we just we don't realize. And adults have created this sinful triple X culture with no regard for the fact that our children are actually witnessing all of it and engaging in much of it, whether it's entertainment, information, uh, sex, drugs, rock and hip hop, political correctness, uh, quarreling or, or whatever. And like the battered woman, our kids are in a situation with respect to their cultural surroundings that's analogous to riding a wild bull. They don't want to be there, but they don't dare let go either. Right. So like chameleons, they do their best to assimilate for acceptance and survival. Uh, when we were kids, Rich, if, if, if we assimilated into the culture, it wasn't such a perverse or anti-biblical thing to do. Today, it's just that. And as I see it, one of these perversions is simply the narcissistic way we treat one another and fail to empathize or even try to see someone's, someone else's point of view, which is actually tantamount to any kind of conflict resolution. So hopefully today's guest will help us uh, help parents uh, help their kids sort through all this hocus pocus. Yeah. 
Well, fortunately, today's guest is no stranger to politics or, for that matter, to the strain that politics can put on the family and to the strain the culture is putting on the family. Jackie Gingrich Cushman is a syndicated columnist and author, professional speaker, corporate strategist, corporate financial advisor, and a board member. Her third book, Our Broken America, Why Both Sides Need to Stop Ranting and Start Listening, has just been released. Jackie Cushman co-authored Five Principles for a Successful Life, From Our Family to Yours, with her father, you might know him, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Her second book, The Essential America, 15 Documents and Speeches Every American Should Own, covers the key points of our nation's history. Uh, By the way, she's not just an author. Jackie Cushman holds the Chartered Financial Analyst designation. During her years in corporate finance, she ran the financial planning department of a $3 billion wireless company. She also served as a senior advisor and media surrogate for Newt Gingrich during his 2012 Republican nomination run. And uh, through her political experience... That actually spans four decades, but it includes more than just the the political campaign. It includes volunteering, fundraising, strategy, and public relations and media works, all of which, by the way, was for the sole purpose of preparing her for her appearance today. And she's not even 30 yet. On Licensed to Parent. (laughs) Now, we got to say, Jackie, you did start young in all of your work in this. Welcome to Licensed to Parent. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. And, yes, I did start young. Um, I actually cannot remember um, being in line without my father running for something. So I started, (laughs) my earliest memories included um, my father running for office. So I've been doing this a very long time. Wow. There you go. Well, Well, we're grateful for your work. We're grateful for your dad's work, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Jackie, I, I know your book is written uh, more from the perspective of Washington politics and today's news media's take on it all, but both these things affect our families and consequently the, the values that we attempt uh, to, to instill in these kids. How would you suggest a parent use this book to give their kids a better understanding of what's actually going on in the world of politics and of media? I think that's a great question. One of the things I would suggest is to, to read through it because part of what I do is I take, you, take us through why we're so polarized today. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very hard to solve, to solve a problem until you understand how we got there. Um, and so I talk about, I'm going to give you a couple of for instances and we can, we can go into, um, into more detail. But one of the things that's, um, you know, causing this polarization, um, is the news media. And, you know, 30, 40 years ago, we had more of a straight to camera, you know, direct news media discussion. And now we have 24 hour news cycles where most of it is opinion right. versus news. And um, instead, you know, if you look at one channel or another, you can actually see the same story covered so differently yeah. that they don't even look like there's the same story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so part of this can be just a learning to take, you know, your child, your youth through through the process to explain to them, that, let, let, you know, look at this program, look at what's happening, look at that program, look at what's happening. Let them be inquisitive and be curious about how things are conveyed. And that goes a long way because a long way they just get information and assume it's factual and truthful no matter who said it, but they'll have a much more discerning eye. Yeah, yeah, boy, we need, we certainly need that. I, I know real quickly you, you wrote this book, The Essential American, 15 Documents and Speeches Every American Should Own. I was just thinking about reading that book as opposed to taking a history class because it seems that what's taught in our history classes changes time and time and time <laughs> again. Revisionist. 
What just as a quick side note, we weren't really talking about that book, but what would someone find in that book that they wouldn't get in a history course? Right. I really enjoyed doing the research for the Essential American, and I start with Patrick Henry's um, speech, "Give me liberty or give me death." And in every case, I give um, a forward about. I mean, a little note before the document. Talk about what happened before you know before that document. Why it was important at that time and also why it's important for us today. And so it really puts us in context. So instead of trying to look backward and change what happened based on our perspective now, which is quite often what happens, mm-hmm. what I try to do is say, what was happening at the time? What was happening in history? And for, for instance, for Patrick Henry, that was the first time that um, someone spoke out loud that we may actually have to have a revolution. That it was literally, that the, the decision at that time was literally liberty or death. Before that, they'd always try to appease um, Great Britain, always try to, to see what they could do or they'd give in or we can see if we can make it work. But mm-hmm. finally, someone um, stood up and said, you know, that there seems to be no solution. If we, if we want to have liberty, we must fight for it. Yeah. Um, the other interesting thing about Patrick Henry is that's the only document in, the bo- in that book that there is no original source. It's all based on first-hand witnesses of the speech, but there is no hmm. original speech text of Patrick Henry. Interesting. You know, uh, here at Shepherd's Hill, we kind of give these kids what Paul Harvey used to say is the rest of the story. I've discovered that, that truth is half the, the healing for some of these emotionally disturbed kids. Uh, and history, knowing their history and the perspective that, you know, the, the context of when these people actually lived— really helps make the, the modern narrative uh, uh, make better sense to how, you know, at least from the biblical worldview, we do things in America today. And I'm telling you, you see these kids come alive. But back to, back to your book, Our Broken America, on the back of that book, Tucker Carlson writes that your solution to our, our nation's political divide is intellectual humility. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. But considering the, the human sin nature, is intellectual humility likely or even possible without all sides first acknowledging a common transcendent authority greater than ourselves? Well, I, I think it is possible, and I think, um, but I think it's hard. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I think it's possible. Um, and, I, and I do believe, I talk, I talk a lot in my book, especially in my forward, I talk about my background and uh, my faith in God and kind of my spiritual journey. And, and um, to me, part of this process is you have to really, if you believe that there's um, a little bit of God in everybody, right, that you can see God in everybody because God created everybody, mm-hmm. then it's a little easier to, t- to tolerate their intolerance. Um, right. And I, I'm not saying we need to give in or acquiesce or to, you know, just to roll over and, you know, and do whatever someone yells at us about. Sure. What I'm saying is if, if, you, can, if you can just pause and, um, and, and let the, the rage kind of roll over you and not take it personally— and, and give them some space to, to be heard, mm-hmm. then sometimes even in the experience of being listened to, their perception and their perceptive, what, what they're thinking will change. It's really fascinating. So let me give you an example. It's a, a much more personal example. So if you're, if you're in an argument with either your, you know, your spouse, your child, or someone that you love, and they're upset, and before you even you know, listen to them, you, you, you react back and you yell right back at them, you're now in this very bad vicious cycle, right? There, there, there is no, you know, there is no thoughtfulness. There is no understanding. There's just this yelling match. Right. And that's kind of where I feel like we are today nationally between parties. Yeah. We're not listening. We're not paying attention. Um, we're just yelling at each other. Yeah. 
We can never allow our emotions to get in the way of our logic um, and, and, a, and an honest endeavor to find out, uh, you know, uh, a resolution or the truth behind something. And can you also explain, too, because uh, I think, you know, some of our kids today are like professional debaters, uh, and they see debates about issues on the Internet, and uh, they think because a guy won a debate that he's, he's necessarily right. Can you share with our parents uh, how winning a debate doesn't ensure that you actually uh, have the truth on your side? No, and you know, that, that, that's a great point. Um, so in, in these debates, and oftentimes when they're done, um, they can change topics or sides for the people. So they're actually not necessarily debating what they believe in or what they right, yeah, agree yeah. with. They're just debating a topic and uh, a, a side yeah. given to them. Right. So that's a lot about right the use of sources and the use of language and in a lot of cases, how fast you can talk. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very different skill than actually... A you know, it, it, For intellect, yeah, for intellectual argument or something that's as important as politics is, you know, you first of all, at least for me, I want to I discuss something I care about, right? It's something that I believe in, yeah. something that I think is helpful to our nation, that I think is helpful to people, and then I want to build my, you know, my, my theories and my examples, et cetera. But, um, you know, you, you don't do it just to, to score points, nor do you do it arguing on both sides, depending on, you know, what side is picked for you. Yeah, well, it's a very different process. Or at least you shouldn't. <laughs> and, and we've all, right, we, and there is that. <laughs> we've, all, we've all used the term, you know, that's just common sense, you know. But again, in this postmodern relativistic world, uh, not so sure common sense is so common. Our founding fathers uh, and, and those in the early days of, of uh, American history, they had the luxury of, of rightly assuming that America's citizenry consisted of people who, by and large, Submitted to that common transcendent authority for for things they they consider to be morally true and right. It came to be called <laughs> common sense. Uh, today's politicians don't have that same luxury anymore. Uh, so how then do we get our common sense back today for for both our governing uh, uh, in, in our nation and governing in our homes? So there's a motivational speaker that I often listen to, Brendan Burchard. He talks a lot about how common sense isn't common practice. Mm-hmm. And so he talks a lot about things that are common sense, even though, to your point, people should know them, but then he reminds us that common sense is not common practice. So maybe part of of what we need to do is to really focus on what are things that are common sense that are the founding of our political structure. Mm -hmm. And I'll give you an example, to remind people that even though they should be common, that they're not always remembered. So I talk a lot about, in our broken America, why both sides need to stop ranting and start listening, I talk about how the founding of our country is different. So, you know, we broke away, as, you know, Patrick Henry, give me liberty, give me death. We broke away and we declared our independence. Um, then we actually recognize that, right, that we have a creator and that the creator gave, gave people rights and the people didn't loan them to the government. And we t- I think sometimes today we don't talk about that a lot because, you know, it's a little uncomfortable and we kind of know that. But if you think about it, it really is extraordinarily different, even in today's world, um, where you have a lot of countries that have either dictators or political parties in control, you know, communism, and they, they don't have that belief. But this was the first time that we actually said God gives rights to individuals, and then we then loan them to the government to be used. We're talking today on Licensed to Parent with author Jackie Gingrich Cushman. She has written the book, Our Broken America, Why Both Sides 
Need to Stop Ranting and Start Listening. By the way, you can find that book on Amazon or wherever you buy your books. We're going to be back with more conversation with Jackie Cushman and our host, Trace Embry, when we return. This is Licensed to Parent. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherds Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. Is your teen's behavior dangerous? Your child's behavior may seem incredibly volatile during the teenage years. Sometimes the signs and symptoms come and go quickly as your child is growing, but other times behaviors are developed and nurtured that will lead to unhealthy choices. Here are a few items to consider. Does your teen refuse to abide by anything you say or request? Is your teen displaying behavior that's a marked change from what has been normal? Has your teen become increasingly disrespectful, dishonest, and disobedient, and openly rebellious? Go to HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and take the quiz, Is My Teen Troubled? While some behavioral issues are minor and best resolved at home, there are warning signs that your teen may need a more structured approach to get them on a healthy, constructive path. And Shepherd's Hill Academy is here to help. Visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org and click on Is My Teen Troubled? HelpMyTroubledTeen.org. You're listening to Licensed to Parent. You'll find us online at LicensedToParent.org. And incidentally, if you have missed any of our past programs, I invite you to go there and check out our program archives. You can not only find uh, programs you may have missed, but you can also subscribe to Trace's blog and uh, keep up with all we're doing here. You'll also find links to our parent ministry, Shepherd's Hill Academy. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent, Jackie Gingrich-Cushman. She's author of the book that we're talking about called Our Broken America, Why Both Sides Need to Stop Ranting and Start Listening. Trace? Well, Jackie, before the break, we're talking about common sense. And I want to ask you, what uh, can the average parent do to help their kids commit commit and return to America's original divine source for common sense without appearing uh, bigoted uh, or intolerant? Well, I think in today's um, culture, that it, it does get a little challenging. But my recommendation is to, start, is to start small and then to expand. So just even beginning to start with the founding of our country and how we were founding, to talk about when we talk about other countries, how it's different than our country, to look at world events where Christians are being persecuted and to talk about, right, what's happening with their government. And then I do, I do think it's really important, and I know do this work in, in your transformational work, is to really protect our children and our youth from, um, from social media 24 hours a day. Oh, boy. You know, when I was young, 
when I was young, and if, if something happened at school that, you know, was bad, which, you know, it happens, right? We're, all, we're children, and we right. get, you know, made fun of, or, you know, someone have a bad test, whatever happened. Mm. Something happened at school, then I would, I would go home, and I would be in my home with my family, and... With adults. I wouldn't be with anybody, right? With nobody else, right? So right. A little safe place, I could go home, and I could read, I could play with my cat. Um, but now, you know, if you have a tough day, or you feel like you're being isolated or bullied, you go home with your with your smartphone, and you walk into your room, and that smartphone is still with you. Yeah. Um, if parents so are stupid really enough to give it to their kids. If par- exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then at some point, you know, when they get older, they will have one. So, it, so it's, it's some of that is some of the good habits you teach them. And also, uh, you know, what should be on social media, should you engage in it. I think there's a lot of learning and, quite frankly, a lot of modeling that has to be done um, from the parents' side. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting, there was, um, was it a talk um, not too long ago, and it was interesting because children very often, especially middle schoolers, they, um, they are, they are, they are just begging their parents to please get off their smartphones and pay attention to them. I hear it all the time. So we have to remember, yeah, we have to remember that it's not only parents want children off their smartphones, but parents need to make sure that when they sit down at the, the dinner table, that their phone yeah. is away as well and that they're paying attention yeah. to the, the people in front of them. The subject of digital technology is a staple on this broadcast. We talk about it all the time. I go across the country speaking about raising healthy kids in the digital age. People are starting to realize what we've been talking about here for 20 years. But uh, back to history, since, since every idea is, is birthed out of faith in something, uh, and, and faith is the essential component to any kind of religion, formal or, or, or otherwise, is it really possible to separate church and state? Wasn't the original intent to keep the state out of the church and not the other way around? Over, over time, have we kind of messed that up? Well, you, I mean, you, you're exactly right. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at George Washington, so he was, he was a man who was incredibly faithful. He was almost shot several times. Um, he talks a lot about God and how faithful he is. You look at Abraham Lincoln, who would not have gotten through the Civil War without his faith in God. Um, clearly, we, we were a nation that wanted to keep the state out of church because we had come from a <laughs> we had come from a country where they had a state church, and so that was not something that we wanted. And we had many people that came here to have freedom of religion. But as I, um, I actually talk about this um, in, um, in, my, in my book, The Essential American, it was never freedom from religion. Right. It was never freedom to not ever, you know, so it, we, it, we were a very faithful nation historically. Right. So we have fallen, we have currently fallen in terms of those who identify with specific faith, mm-hmm. faith, like, you know, a specific um, type of faith. But we still are a majority, we, we believe in God, the majority of us believe in God. And over 50% of us believe that our country's problems can be solved with God's help. Right. Yeah. So it's really interesting that even though we're not as religious a country, we're still a very faithful country. Well, those flyovers don't have the microphone and the platform. That's the biggest problem, uh, as I see it. Uh, but that Washington story I think you were alluding to, that is a miraculous story. And that was told in the public school history books until the 1960s, I think even into the early 70s. It's miraculous. And and. and, and uh, it's just not talked about anymore. Um, you know, we, you hear so much about racism today. I, I, I think we walk around with all this this undue guilt. Why is it so important for our kids not to think uh, it's racist for expecting legal immigrants to assimilate into what's actually still healthy about American culture? Okay, so that's fascinating. I just heard about that recently from my creator's limited column. And when I talk about the challenge with... Um, and actually, Angela Merkel, the 
um, in Germany recently, said recently that it's hard, you know, that they have not been successful assimilating and that it's actually a real problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you move into a country, you usually move into a country because of something good they have, right? They right. have a better economy or they have more opportunity or they have, you know, they're not persecuting people or, you know, right. there's no crime. Um, there's a reason that you're, um, that you're moving into that. That country. Yeah. And so there's something good about where you're going, right? So let's, so let's assume that or else why would you come? Um, so if that's true, then it leads you to wonder if that's true, then why wouldn't you try to grab some of those same right, those values and live in that way? I do think it's important that people retain an understanding of where they come from, right. but they also they need to understand the values of America um, and, and assimilate into the, you know, and bring those together. So I think it's very challenging. Um, because I think that people want to be tolerant, and tolerance is good. We also to a the, point. The difference about America, yeah. The difference in America is we do not have one. We do not start with with one group that came here and they were already the same. We've always been an idea that's about liberty and justice and belief in God, and again that the rights come from God to people and from people to government. And those ideals and ideas have been what kept us together. Well, it's never been about where we came from or, or our skin color or anything else. So it's important that those ideals are transmitted, um, you know, to, to the next generation. Right. We we've messed with the divine premise, and we 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 focus major and minors. Uh, we focus on this idea of diversity. Uh, you know, America was a melting pot. Yes, uh, give me your, you know, your huddled masses. That's fine. But then assimilate into the things that made America great. Don't bring what failed as far as your values and your ideas of the old <laughs> country and, and, and bring us down. Help us bring you up. I mean, even on our money, you know, in God we trust and e pluribus unum. There is no strength and diversity, despite what these talking heads are telling you. There's only strength and diversity when there's unity and diversity, and that's exactly what e pluribus unum means. Out of the many, one. And this is what we've got to get uh, across to our kids today. And once they start understanding these things, mental health starts to return to them. So anyway, Rich, Rich has given me the skunk eye here that we're out of time. Well, it, is, it is unfortunate that we are. Our guest on Licensed to Parent today has been... Uh, Author and 40-year political activist. Is that what we're saying, Jackie? Uh, Jackie Gingrich Cushman. That sounds about right. Okay. (laughs) Jackie Gingrich Cushman, author of the book we've been discussing, Our Broken America, Why Both Sides Need to Stop Ranting and Start Listening. That's a message that we all need to hear. And uh, let me also direct you once again to uh, Jackie's other books that that I mentioned at the top of the program that would be uh, certainly worth a read as well. Uh, One of them is called Five Principles for a Successful Life from Our Family to Yours, which she uh, co-wrote with her father, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. And uh, then the second book she wrote uh, that we've talked about briefly, The Essential American, 15 Documents and Speeches Every American Should Own. You'll find those on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get your books. Jackie, thanks so much for taking time to be with us today. Thank you very much, Jackie. You're welcome. Thanks so much for having me on. And thank you for listening today. If you have enjoyed today's License to Parent, a reminder once again that you'll find more just like it on our website, licensedtoparent.org. That's where you'll also find links to our blog, our social media connections, and where you can join us in our ministry outreach. License to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, a leading Christ-centered residential program for troubled teens. 
It does take a lot of money to keep a program like this on the air and to keep our work with parents and teens going strong. And for that reason, we invite your partnership, both prayerful partnership and financial partnership. To find out more about us and to see how you can join us in this ministry, please take a moment now and visit LicensedToParent.org. Again, LicensedToParent.org. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Rosal, inviting you back again next time to renew your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.